All right, gang, welcome to the best Tuesday you've had all week. Dave Littlejohn in studio today with me. Matt Dixon again. Again, and we're stoked to have you back as always, Matt. Yes. Uh, Today, I feel like it's, you know, the sun is shining a little bit outside. If you're listening on the podcast, just picture that we can actually see blue sky. And we're not wearing rain jackets. Right? I was leaving the office to come here for the show, and I was starting to put my jacket on, and I went, oh my gosh, we're almost done with jacket season. Yes. Which, and it feels which good. Which is approximately eight months of the year in Oregon. Uh, I'm so vitamin D deficient, <laughs> right? Like, it's been oh so gosh. many months of no sun. Exactly. Don't worry. You'll get a chance to go spring Chinook fishing and get a sunburn. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm it's, looking it's, forward it's to it. It's coming. I'm looking forward to it. So... Anyway, uh, I feel like today is, we're going to call this sort of the lemonade show. Ooh. Right? Strawberry lemonade? Please tell me strawberry lemonade. We can have strawberry lemonade. They're coming, right? Strawberries, you get them planted early. We'll finally get a few heat units into them. Talking my language, David. All right. So what do I mean, though, by the lemonade show? Well, if I had to take a stab at it, I'd guess it's a reference to how the markets have you know kind of had some turmoil to them but somehow we're going to find that silver lining inside of right when life gives you lemons you better make that try to make some lemonade uh what are some of the things i I guess this is coming out of I'll, i'll tell you what's driving this we're just hearing the the general tone of consumer sentiment mm-hmm. sort of souring Right. Yeah. And and that's are you talking like the last couple of weeks, maybe? Yeah. Or, well, yeah. really, probably several weeks. But mm-hmm. I I think that it's difficult to find anywhere that folks are terribly happy with the circumstance. Yeah. Right. Everywhere you look, we've got where there's a major war. That's the threat is this is going to become globalized or nuclear. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's out there. We've had uh, banks. And the potential failure of banks. Mm-hmm. We have had. We're now seeing bankruptcies, right? Like, what was the big headline bankruptcy that was announced day before yesterday? Oh man, I missed that. Bed one. Bath and Beyond. Oh, did they that, really? They're, I did. I didn't hear about that. Officially calling bankruptcy, and they're they're going to be shutting Gosh, all the stores down. Darn and it! Where am I going to get my towels? Right. Yeah. It's, it's what just a gonna, It's 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 one more thing to make older movies. Uh, officially older, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, that chain's not even there anymore. Right. And there are other rumors on the horizon of other companies that could be potentially going bankrupt. You know, Bed Bath & Beyond's not really a big surprise to investors. It's right. been pretty sick for quite some time. I feel like that was an earlier 2000s type store, right? Like, yeah, it just kind of fell out of favor. Well, it's interesting which stores were capable of sort of reinventing themselves and which weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about Sears. Oh, that's right? another good example. Sears yeah. is a company that I believe still exists, but it shrank dramatically. There was all a their stores when, closed up. Yeah, yeah remember it's the, more of a name it, now. Back in the day, there was the Sears catalog, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how people did their shopping. And then the internet sort of crushed that. And then the ability to really, from the internet, go to any vendor you want, made the consolidated department store less of a value proposition. Right. Mm-hmm. You really had the ability to do research and go anywhere in a hurry. And with the delivery service proliferation, right, you know, all the different places that can get you something right to your doorstep, 
it has really changed that game. That, and I don't think Sears was really specializing in one area as much as some of these other places, right? Like, if you're going to go buy tools, are you going to go to Sears or are you going to go to Home Depot? Well, right? or exactly it's, yeah and and they may if it was just tools they may have survived but you realize there was a time when you could buy a house at sears i didn't know that. right you could buy kit houses or or plans really? for houses and then go build the house oh now this was you know around the turn of the century 1900s okay but that happened hmm. and so it's just interesting to see how the marketplace continues to evolve. I think it's also a good reminder that ships can sink, right? Like just because it's relevant today doesn't mean it's relevant for the future. Right. And I think and investors often overlook that. They're like, hey, I'm just going to blindly just. Well, you know. here's a real life example. Everybody was convinced that Amazon was going to take over everything, mm -hmm. right? With Amazon, they expected, and this is where I think Bed Bath and Beyond may have sort of struggled was. They were still somewhat of a consolidated specialty, somewhat, but still department style store. Mm -hmm. And you can go to Amazon or wherever and get towels. Yep. Right. I mean, you could go find those things and you could price shop and you could get them wherever. And so why did the customer need to go to that store? Right. right? For a lot of the shipping sized items. We've kind of made this case before that Costco, I'm not making recommendations on any of these when I say this, by the way, but Costco, which I do have to disclose, we own in some of our our investment portfolios, there's a company that ships giant stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like UPS doesn't drop a couch off at your house, right? It's not that they can't, but it's exotically expensive. Like that's a freight shipping event. Mm -hmm. right. And so a lot of the time, big items, bulk items, it doesn't make sense to ship everything right the so, costs are just too high so you go to a warehouse style store and that's i think one of the value propositions of costco is it's still department style-esque but it's at a size and volume that they doesn't can. make sense to ship and there are things that you're buying sometimes at volume that are daily consumption items right mm -hmm. you know if i'm going to go do a barbecue for 30 people I'll go to costco and stock up right right catered by kirkland we've all heard yeah. of it so the idea, though, is that the marketplace is going to evolve. And I don't know if you guys have looked or not lately, but we're in the middle of an evolving market and an evolving economy. Mm -hmm. What's some of the stuff we're seeing out there, Matt? I mean, chat GPT is on the forefront of every news headline, it seems AI, like. Yeah. Right? Artificial intelligence. Yep. Okay. By the way, artificial intelligence isn't necessarily smart. Do you mind if I just share a crazy story oh, I heard on please chat? Do. Okay. So... I watched as someone was commenting that ChatGPT has evolved already in the short window of time that it's been here, where it was capable of running into an issue where it couldn't do, you know, the screen captures where you have to select all the photos of like a bus or yes. something, right? It wasn't able to do that. But what it did is it went to Fiverr and it hired a human to do the captcha for it unlock what it needed unlocked and it was able to actually lie and tell the human you know enough to get them to agree to do it and it has learned the ability to lie and to outsource to humans where it can't actually solve the algorithm it's fascinating because this is something behind the scenes that we've talked about i know this we're slightly off 
topic, but this is so interesting. I, I'm going to hijack our own show for it. Um, I think the danger with AI is giving it sort of the keys to the store. Right. You know, where we become... can start doing things autonomously. Yeah. Imagine being hired by robots to do the jobs that they can't instead of where we are hiring the technology to do the jobs that either not necessarily that we can't, but we just don't have the time for. Right. And, and keep in mind, AI can't do everything. No. Right. At least not as efficiently. Here was a real life example. Uh, estate planning. Mm -hmm. You can create a template to create a will. Okay. And AI can ask you questions to help you complete it. But it's going to assume that you need a will. What happens if there is a unique circumstance or thing that you're trying to accomplish that doesn't fit into the ecosystem that it understands? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it can't figure it out. It may just have to ask you another 30, 40, 50 questions to triangulate and discern that. Where a human intuitively mm -hmm. who has experience may be able to sort of circumvent that and with five or six questions, figure out what you need because their experience will direct them. Yeah. I think AI will ultimately start to develop those skills as well. Oh, I agree. Right. But then the question is going to come down to trust and integrity. If you have a system that is willing to do whatever it must to accomplish the mission. Right. Then it can lie and cheat. Which too. we've already seen now in yes. the early stages. We are seeing the lying from the system in order to just accomplish the task right. because that's what it's programmed to do. And, I, and yeah, yeah we're now the question is, can you train ethics into artificial intelligence? And that's the question. I, it's a big question. And one right? we don't have the answer to. Well, because people, there's right now, and golly, you really want to get into the weeds. Now we're talking about how relative morality can lead to relative ethics. Not oh, everybody man. agrees, oh, right? Man. And so how are you going to get AI to act on on this shifting sand of morality and ethics? You can't, I don't feel. Well, I don't think, I, yeah, I think that there's some scary elements to this. This, by the way, is why, uh, whether you love him or hate him, when Elon Musk speaks up and says, we should consider legislating to put... AI in a box until we can better understand it so that it doesn't run away without us. There's case in point. There's case in point, right? Mm -hmm. And this is not shocking to me that this is occurring. Uh, we know that AI can't do everything yet, right? AI hasn't figured out how to drive cars without having accidents, mm -hmm. right? It does a really good job and has faster reaction time than humans in many cases, but it doesn't know what it doesn't know yet. And mm -hmm. so can it pre-solve a problem it's never been exposed to? Hard to say. Can humans do it? No, sometimes they crash too. So it's not like the records are better, but it's just, it's not perfect. Right. That's the issue, right? So, boy, fascinating. The ethics question even comes into the driving portion, right? Like if you have to, if you're in, if you're coming into a situation where you're going to be in an accident, you have to sometimes make a split second ethical decision. You know, do I hit this person on the side of the road? Do I hit the semi truck? in front of me that's carrying a load of gasoline. Like you have to be able to make split second ethical decisions that only the human mind can yeah. make. Well, and <laughs> I would argue too, are you really making an ethical decision or is it just a reaction? That's and you're true. Just hoping that it works out. Right. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards you're picking up the ethical pieces and rationalizing it. True. So 
what a mess, right? Anyway, suffice it to say that uh, artificial intelligence has uh, great power but needs to be wielded with great responsibility, and I don't know that we've figured out how to manage either of those yet. No. Right? Think, you like how I work Spider-Man in there? Yeah, yeah I did. That's, that's uh, That was your nerd joke of the day. Exactly. No more. No, You're cut off, David. I promise there'll be more nerd jokes, but not until after we take the first of a couple of important... Profit breaks. <laughs> Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 90 through 9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn joined today. Matt Dixon. That's right. Uh, super stoked to be talking to you guys about the Lemonade program. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you just missed it, you can grab the podcast at littlejohnfs.com and get caught up where we first took a slight detour to discuss artificial intelligence, yep, uh, which can be this incredible tool. And I think as long as it's being driven sort of morally and ethically and within legal bounds is uh, interesting, but still has uh, the un, uh, unbridled potential to be nefarious. Oh, yeah. Is that a good way to phrase that? I, I think so. It's like until we figure out how to put the right guardrails on this thing, uh, it concerns me. I mean, it concerns me that we've already seen scenarios where uh, it will curate answers that are politically motivated. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, whoever decides, well, this is the information that you're allowed to answer for certain things. And so it takes opinion type positions and will portray them as if those are facts. Right. So those are some elements at play here. And it's also demonstrated that at times it will be clever and try to utilize ways to work around problems and the ways that they work around it may be in the ethical gray area. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, a computer doesn't really care about ethics. No. It just has... A task to the perform. computer doesn't have a soul. Yeah, it's I I've I may have shared this before. I remember watching a video with uh, Elon Musk talking about artificial intelligence. That the problem is that because it doesn't have a morality, it it doesn't really care. It's just doing the job it's supposed to do. And he said, think about humans making a road. If there's an ant hill on the road, they just scrape it out of the way and build a road. Mm-hmm. There's no consideration for the ant. It's just you know, a casualty of that event. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what humans could be to artificial intelligence. You know, what happens if AI determines that humans are simply collateral damage or more likely, it's not likely, I mean, this is what it would be, is they don't consider the human impact at all. And if the humans are collateral damage, it just happened, mm-hmm. right? It's not like it singled out. I mean, that's the funny thing. It's the idea that Terminator and Skynet and everything, it's like, well, this was a self-aware machine that schemed, let's send somebody back in time and so- stop something from ever happening. Which, if you really consider the plot holes in that, would you send something back in time? To potentially to, undo to potentially, your own self. Yeah, to potentially stop you. Yeah. So, like, rarely is that... The, 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 the time conundrums are always kind of interesting because if you sent somebody back in time, you would immediately know whether or not it worked because, well, you would never know, right? It would just be a new timeline. So that's why it's sort of ridiculous. 
the Avengers theme was actually clever about that, mm-hmm. right? Well, if we did this, it already happened. Actually, we have to do it. Like, <laughs> so, wow, whatever. we really got in the weeds on on that. Didn't yeah, the we? markets already happened. If you could time travel, yeah, right. I how about just getting that almanac from. Uh, back to the Future. There you go. That's right. what we now, need. Now we're getting somewhere. If you don't we'd, know what I'm talking about, I guess you got to go watch. We'd back all be the millionaires then, right? And if everybody's a millionaire, no one is. Ooh. Which I swear is what we're attempting to do right now. If we just let's just give everybody in the country a million dollars, and then uh, you can go buy gasoline, and it will be, you know, sixty or you know six thousand dollars a gallon, and mm-hmm. you know you'll be right back to where we were. Like everything will just cost too much. Sorry, little detour, little, little rant, detour. little mini rant. Uh, you know, here's here's where we'll, we'll tie this back together. Okay. Inflation is real. Oh right? yeah, it's going on. Things are expensive. I don't know if you noticed, but fuel prices are creeping up again. Yeah, I think cost of living this last year was what eight point six percent. It's crazy. On which measure. Yeah, almost nine um, percent. That's insane. It's. The inflation is real. Significantly more expensive. I mean, think about if you had 10% inflation, then everything that used to be $20 is now Mm -hmm. $22. $10 is now $11. And that feels real. Okay. And the problem is that inflation will compound. So if you had 10% uh, from a year ago, oh, well, now everything's $11. Now it's 10% more. Well, that's not another dollar. That's $1.10 this time. So now it's up to Mm $12.10. Right. So that's how compounding works. And so when you look at the way we measure inflation, compound inflation at high numbers can make things get really expensive really fast. Yeah. And the question is, how does this is my real question, right? How does the private sector keep up? Hmm. Okay. Because government seems to just they just know, spend what they're gonna spend. Right. And then they compensate it for it pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, and you know, bureaus like, oh well, we'll just apply a you know, a, a we need more. Cost they, they, of yeah. living adjustment to all of the property values, right? Well, we'll just you know increase property values across the board by X percentage. I think there's some statutory limits to how much they're allowed, but basically we'll make the taxes go up, and we will you know play with uh, for for businesses, right? Corporate activity tax. Oh, everybody's going to spend more on the business. Well, then the businesses are making more. Well, we have a corporate activity tax, and so we'll collect more there. It, it's just just solve it through taxes right mm-hmm. that's kind of the government methodology broadly tax it and print more money well federally print more money mm-hmm. right and 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 we don't have time to talk about the the long-term ramifications of what that may or may not mean what we have to talk about is okay so the market so we have an inflationary market now what do we do to we try have, and we have headwinds as investors yeah. what could we do to make the bad stuff that we're dealing with as advantageous as possible. I feel like there's a, a long list of things that investors can focus on that might make a dire situation a little bit better. Yep, I think so too. And so these are some planning strategies. And what I want to do is first give you some broad strokes and then we'll try to think about how those can apply in more specific scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that you want to consider is when markets are down, okay, so if we're going through an economic rough patch and the stock market's down, uh, or any investment market is down for that matter, do you want to own different stuff in the future than you do today? 
right? Because it's an interesting thing to consider making lateral moves when the markets are down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Imagine if you could compress a spring and you wanted that spring to push back as hard as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Or bounce high, let's say. Then, and you could choose the spring, right? Like you own one, but you could get something else that you think is going to spring back more. It's kind of where we're at in the marketplace. A lot of folks will say to me, gosh, I don't want to make a, a change right now because if I make a change, then I got to realize a loss. Right. And I would suggest to you, uh, it's a lot cheaper to realize a loss than to realize a gain if you plan to stay invested. Mm. Okay. Expand upon that for our listeners. Well, that's a big concept, right? It's, that's it's a, a really big concept. Actually, it's a really simple concept, but it's so lost because it intuitively doesn't make sense at mm -hmm. first. And then I'm going to walk you through this and you go like, duh. Right. And, and, and yet people will say, I don't want to sell it because it's down. Right. First of all, that's what we call anchoring bias. Right. Yes. It's down based on the price that I perceive it should have been. And so if or because is, I paid this yeah, much I for it. I bought it for $10 and it's worth five. I don't want to sell it because I'll lose money. Mm -hmm. But notice what I said. Is yeah. you I. You use the word I. I don't want to sell it. Uh, well, but also what I said earlier was if you intend, if you'd like to invest in something else and stay invested. Mm -hmm. So who cares about the value right now if I'm going to sell something and buy something else. What I really care about is, is the something else I'm going to buy a better thing than what I currently own? Mm -hmm. And right? does it have the same potential upside? Well, I assume that yeah. that's the definition of better. Yeah. So I, I should probably clarify that too, right? But yeah, Matt, let me ask it to you this way, right? You own ABC company, mm -hmm. which you think is going to earn 10% a year or it's going to appreciate 10% a year for the next five years. Right. Or you can get XYZ company that is going to grow at 20% per year for the next five years. Which one would you rather have? Right. You'd rather go with something that's going right. to make 20%. Great. And both of them are down 50% right now mm -hmm. because of the market conditions. Okay. One of them, you, uh, you own ABC stock and you've lost 50% since you bought it. Mm -hmm. okay. Would I want to then go shift to potentially make less money? It just wouldn't That's, make sense. Isn't that the weird thing? Like for some reason, people go, "Well, I can't do this because." Mm -hmm. And I and what I explained. So this leads into another concept, by the way. So just bank this, right? So and and if you're just listening for a moment, it's like you're going to have to grab the podcast to to make sure you connect the dots on this because this is a legitimate investment strategy that folks can utilize. Uh, doesn't work in retirement plans as well, but but it does work in a retirement plan to say, hey, I, I, if I would rather not own, if I'd rather own something else than what I currently own, it's okay to make the change. Mm -hmm. Investors do that all the time. Okay, what's hard is when you're trying to time everything. Oh and boy, it's going to drive you bananas if you're like, well, I'm trying to sell this at a dip and buy this other thing at a dip. Well, just buy when everything's down. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the, if it's down, you can make a lateral move. I guess if it's up, you can always make a lateral move. But here's the difference between retirement plans and taxable accounts. If your position is upside down or underwater or at a loss in an individual account, you're talking about in a taxable account. Oh, in a taxable account. Right? Okay. You can capture a loss. 
Mm-hmm. And this throws people off. Let's say, you you know, hey, I had invested $10,000 and I've lost 5000 Okay, sell it and capture the loss. Buy something else. Maybe even something really similar. You could. Yeah. There are times when it's strategic to capture the la- loss on purpose. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? Because you can use those losses to offset future gains. Right. It's sort of like carrying a tax offset credit, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, nobody likes the loss, but if I can transition into a better investment going forward, I can take that loss, put it in my pocket, and then in some point in the future when I have a gain, I can pull that old loss out of my pocket and use it to cancel out the gain. That's the idea that gains and losses offset each other. But here's the beauty, right? Gains are taxed at two different levels long-term and short-term. Mm-hmm. Short-term basically acts like income tax. Right. Long-term typically is lower, right? It still depends on your income sources and so forth, but you are likely to have a lower capital gains tax than income tax. And so that's not the case with losses. There's no such, there's no difference between a long-term loss and a short-term loss. They're just losses. But if you bank a loss and you have a short-term capital gain, and here's where a lot of people don't get it too. Let's say that you have a loss in a stock and you're flipping a house and you buy a house and you're able to flip it for a profit. Mm -hmm. That's a gain. Yes. You could use the loss from your stock account to offset the gain on a house flip. Mm -hmm. Or vice versa. If you lose money on a house, you could use the loss to offset a stock gain. Gains and losses doesn't have to be from the same basket of investments. I'm glad you mentioned that. I feel like that's something that a lot of people need to hear. And if you are like, whoa, that was some really, really good information, and you need to hear it a second time, you can. You can go to the podcast tomorrow and replay that back. Right. Go and and share it with a friend or whatever. But the idea here is this is a tax strategy about you're strategically capturing gains or losses, right? Mm-hmm. So typically what you're doing is you're strategically capturing losses and then you're using those to offset other gains. And so uh, also there are times when you strategically take gains, but we, we have a tendency, we would like to make those gains long-term when possible because they're more tax efficient. So it's just a way to utilize the movement in the markets to benefit you, okay? Now there are a few other tricks up the sleeve for I the, know. the lemonade scenario. Send like them my markets way. are down. What else are some of the things you can do? Stick around. We'll talk about oh. those after the next profit break. All right. All right. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. You're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show where we're talking about how to take. Uh, lemonade or make lemons into lemonade. Right? Juice them, add Le- sugar and strawberries. If you miss the strawberries, you miss the uh, whole you thing. You have failed. Yeah. I will also suggest water. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. may want to. Yeah, just straight here <laughs> lemon. Just straight up. Can you imagine like a lemon strawberry puree with sugar in it? Like, Impractical Jokers needs to hear this episode and like go to pretend to be a waiter at Red Robin or something yeah. and just start serving like the most potent lemonade you can. <laughs> hey, it's sit. not from concentrate. What do you want? <laughs> exactly. It's uh, it's it's lemonade that doubles as paint thinner. Uh, <laughs> That's what the strawberries for. It takes the edge off things. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, um, <laughs> all right, look, we're, we're, we're staring at, we just come off, uh, 2022 was a rough year in the markets. We've got a strong first quarter. Actually, the year is annualizing pretty good in terms of returns. Today was a stinker, right? We had a pretty good shellacking today and um, look no further than the Russell 2000, which fell by almost two and a half percent. Was that the worst performing index basically uh, of, out there? Uh, between the S&P, Dow, and NASDAQ. The main the, ones, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really been beaten down today. And that, that suggests to me that the mar- there was a broad-based sell-off today uh, mm-hmm. across the board. And what we saw was a move toward high beta but or low beta stocks, rather. Though. It's really not that surprising from my seat, though, right? Oh, because no, if no, we no, look at is... it quarter by quarter, I look at this and I'm like, well, we were kind of overbought for where we were in this quarter. So it's like, yeah, if, it's if not that much of a surprise. If markets average 12% a year, and that's probably generous mm-hmm. for a stock market like S&P, and then you're up 6% in four months, you're on track to do 18 that's above average, mm-hmm. right? So having a pullback at this point in the year is not outlandish. So we needed a little get real moment. Sure. Get real moment for sure. But, you know, do we have a ways to go to get back to where we were before? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, S&P 500 peaked over 4,800. It's at just above 4,000 right now. Mm-hmm. So we're still nearly 20% off a of peak. Yep. Right? So we got some work to do. And meanwhile, we're staring at the economy softening. Inflation's still high. Jobs are starting to come down. Uh, we have seen some earnings that have still kind of exceeded expectations. It's a, kind of been a mixed bag a little bit on the earnings. Different sectors have done better than yeah. kind of expected. I mean, and banking some have been is in trouble, worse. but big tech seems to be holding up. And mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of all over the place. But again, big tech had been really pummeled in 22. Right. right? So, so, so it, it, expectations were pretty beat down. So... You know, perhaps they are at a point of recovery, and and the argument can be made that the biggest tech companies right now are the safe companies, mm-hmm. right? They're the largest employers. They're the most prolifically used across our economy. So we can't get away from tech, whether yeah, we yeah, want I mean, to or not. Like we're deep in the woods. We need it. We use it every day. It's everywhere. As they say, we're in this thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. We're talking about the idea that while the markets are down, what are some of the things that you can potentially do to make the best of this situation? We just talked uh, about the idea of tax loss management, managing mm-hmm. your gains and losses and making lateral moves, meaning I want to stay invested, but I'd like to change from one investment to another. I'm switching horses. Okay. Well, if you're switching horses, there's not necessarily a bad time. Other than when you try to do it at the very top of a market and you're not sure how fast they'll race backwards. Right. Well, and we're clearly not at the top. Like you just said, it's already 20% off of highs. So if I'm a long-term investor, right, and I'm saying, hey, I got another 10, 20, 30 years to be invested, I might look at this as an opportunity to be getting in at lower points than where we've been historically. Ah, but so here's the question. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think the markets could go lower from here? Oh, absolutely. Okay, then what do you think an investor could do if they thought the markets may continue to go down, but they weren't sure? I mean, this seems kind of basic, but I think dollar cost averaging, and for those of you that are listening that are like, what the heck is that? That just means you're not throwing all the chips in at once, right? You're going to be buying in periods of time, right? Where you might put, say you got $10,000 or something. Sure. Maybe I put $1,000 into the market this month, 
and then maybe another thousand the next month. So you're buying it at different periods so that if the market were to go lower the next month, well, now you bought it even cheaper. Yeah. So, Dollar so cost spreading averaging. your investment out over multiple periods time, of time, periods yeah. of time to sort of get an average cost, but yes. you might get a better price in the future or you might get worse, but sure. you're sort of getting an average of multiple purchases. Right. But what you're doing is you're, you're preventing yourself from putting in at the wrong time. And then if things don't go the way that they're expecting that you would, uh, you're not jamming all of your money all at once. Yeah. Okay. I like it. It is one of the most tried and true principles of investing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's interesting because I think you get your greatest advantage early as an investor. You like do. If, if you're a startup sure. investor and you're just putting a few hundred bucks a month into an investment, you think about it, you're, the, each additional deposit is still a relatively large percentage of the total pie. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a million dollar investment and you're putting a $500 additional deposit in, that's not going to be there's you're not going to get a tremendous value for your your cost averaging right because you're talking about 0. 0.00 something percentage of the right. pot so you're likely to get sort of absorbed in the daily froth of the markets right i mean i'll use a kind of a visual example if there's a lake and the and you're trying to measure how deep it is but it's a windy day and there's a bunch of chop in it well you know throwing a you know, an extra cup of water in there, you're not going to be able to measure that. Right. Okay. And that's what happens is, you know, throwing a cup of water in a swimming pool is, it's, you're not going to move the needle enough, but, but early on you have, you know, just one cup of water and now you add a second cup, like just twice as much now. Right. right. So it, it does help you with your averaging strategy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really huge one that investors can forget about is it's like, well, gosh, it was so obvious. I just forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Programmatic investing happens in company retirement plans. That's the most common sure. thing you'll see it at. Uh, we see it in other ways too. Like what? Right? Insurance premiums, it's not an mm -hmm. investment, yeah. but you know, hey, I'm gonna just pay monthly so I don't have to write one big check all at once. It sort of spreads out over time. Do you pay a little bit more? Yeah, you do, because the insurance company is having to carry a little bit more risk uh, waiting for the premiums to arrive. So it costs you a little bit more to, to split those payments up as opposed to paying all up front. But That's it's a good the same example, example just yeah. in reverse. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and in theory, by the way, if you could time the bottom of the market, take all the money and buy it then. Right. That's, but, the, that's the way to make the most money. And I'm going to say, if you can do that, go for it. Right. <laughs> that's the thing. If you know how to do that, see me after class. Right? Yeah. I mean, I've been doing this for more than two decades, and I still don't know how to call the bottom or the top of the market. Right now, can you recognize a general trend? Well, sure. I mean, I, I kind of put my thumb up in the air and feel which direction the wind is blowing. Mm -hmm. But can I tell you when that wind is going to change directions? No. Yep. And I think this goes back to that bigger question of, well, if you can't predict the future, what can you do? And we've talked about this a lot. There are so many ways that a financial advisor can help other than just saying, hey, you know, well, this is the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not confuse money management with financial mm -hmm. advice. Yes. Money management is part and I think, of financial advice. Exactly. I think people sometimes think it's just one. Yeah. And it's like, oh, these we, are we not just often. one. Yeah. Yeah. Very often. So, I mean, what are like, there's, there's so much more to it, right? I mean, heck, mm -hmm. the tax thing we just talked about, the, the, the yeah. loss harvesting and the gain trimming, 
there is a it's money management but that's that's planning. that's taxes that's yeah, a planning that, strategy exactly so so let's talk about uh, another one that's really interesting um it's the idea of tax burden shifting oh okay? now you got me interested yeah. david so what do i mean about tax burden shifting I see. or recharacterizing taxes mm -hmm. okay so this one interesting let's do this let's grab our last break we'll come back we'll unpack that one and we got to follow on financial terms okay the All fireworks right, so, are coming so stick around home stretch coming here on the true well show this is dave littlejohn and matt dixon you got the true well show on news radio 93.9 fm and 1240 kqen Hey gang, welcome to the home stretch of the True Wealth Show. If you're just joining me and Matt, it's kind of we're making lemonade out of the lemons that uh, the economy has thrown at us in a down market. Uh, lots that have been covered. Grab the podcast at Little John FS tomorrow when what we if, post it, or on your favorite podcast resource. What if someone just wants to talk with someone real? Can they call us? Are we accessible? So you're just going to have to use Chat GPT. I think. Ah, darn. Yeah. No, of course we're uh, accessible and. Uh, this goes without, well, I guess we are going to say it anyway. I'd say it goes without saying, no, uh, we are in the business of financial advice. Okay. And we're not in the business of just blindly charging people and, and being sneaky about this. If you've got a question and we can be a resource, you're welcome to give us a call. doesn't mean everybody becomes a client of the firm, but anybody, if you're, if you're interested and you want to learn more, no obligation to come in, kick the tires, to just talk to us and get a feel for the circumstance. I'm not going to try to qualify who should or shouldn't be calling us. I'm just going to tell you, if you need help, call. And regardless of whether or not we end up working together, our goal is to get you into a better spot than when you call. So I like it. Even if we don't have the answer, we want to help you find it. We want to be that a good resource. And uh, if you got somebody in your life that, to me, it's more important that you you have somebody trusted that you can turn to than it than that you must turn to us. Yep. Okay. Uh, it's great if you want to come to our firm. I mean, it is technically an advertisement, but our passion is about getting this right. And I will just tell you that until, I mean, maybe someday AI takes our job, maybe. But until that day, I, I think that there's enough moving parts and there's enough ways that AI hasn't figured out how to ask the question it hasn't asked, right? It doesn't know what it doesn't know yet. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you maybe don't know what you're asking for yet. That's not a ding on you. That's a money is complicated. And you come in going, I think it's this thing that I want. And then you say, well, do you want this set of features? Yes, I do. How about these other things? Yeah. Well, this is the thing that would do part of this, but you could do this other thing that does all that and more. And all of a sudden you go, oh, you're right. That, that would be an upgrade. And so why not consider that instead, right? That's that's the difference between being consultative and just trying to sell you something. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that that's our goal is to try to be consultative in nature and small enough town that we got to guard that reputation. So we're trying not to hose you on this stuff, really are. All right, the, the last thing I wanted to talk about uh, at the break, we mentioned shifting or recharacterizing taxes or tax timing, mm -hmm. okay? Now, this is really interesting. Uh, the idea would be, what if you could convert taxes? Okay, One example would be going from short-term capital gains to long-term. Can you hold on to an investment long enough that that would improve your tax circumstance? Okay, If, Here, you're, if you're patient yeah. 
And if you if nothing's like truly truly broken and you're forced to do something about it, yeah, you can be patient. Sure. Here's another one. Maybe your investments are sort of beat up right now, and you have either an estate tax planning issue or a future income issue where you may have high required distributions. Mm-hmm. Could be interesting to look at whether or not you should convert some of your retirement plan assets into Roth. Mm-hmm. That That is a possibility where you're maybe shifting from a um, future higher tax rate and you're in a temporarily lower tax rate now. So it's it's a good time to do a conversion because that's there is a tax associated with conversion, just so you're aware. Uh, but here's the other one, right? We've run into this uh, sometimes. Uh, especially in Oregon, where the individual estate tax exemptions a million bucks, everything above that, the state starts taxing at close to 10%. And for married couples, you can double that with proper planning, right? But it does require proper planning so to $2 million. But if you have more than $2 million of the stuff, which isn't that hard to do these days when you look at a few retirement plans and a house, mm-hmm. okay? Then you look at that, it may be, maybe you're intentionally thinking about gifting to heirs rather than waiting to die for them to inherit things. It could be an interesting time to gift while the market is down because you get a bigger You can gift at a better buck. basis. Yeah, you yeah. can gift more away at a more attractive basis. Basis is the potential tax burden to the person receiving. So there are some planning things that you can do where you could take advantage of I just use this, think of it like a spring or a box, but you, know, you can cram more more assets into a, <laughs> into the space when they're compressed, right? If they, mm-hmm. the market's down, then you can, you can take more out. Uh, particularly at the federal level, you have this lifetime exemption of a little over $12.5 million that you can gift. Most of us are never going to you know, run into that issue, but you know, giving away a million dollars that used to be worth a million and a half leaves you with still a bunch of money that you could continue to give away in your lifetime gift exemption. Mm-hmm. Again, if all of this doesn't make sense to you, it's okay. Just if you've got a significant amount of assets and you're trying to figure out how to reduce your estate tax penalty, I would just tell you, call us, right? There's a lot of things that you can do from a strategic perspective to reposition assets to shelter them from taxes. And consider for every million dollars you have, the state of Oregon wants about a hundred thousand dollars when you die. Mm-hmm. Okay, there, there's a little exemption, but that I mean that's roughly the math. So I think it's worth planning, right? If you could do three or four thousand dollars worth of planning to save almost a hundred thousand dollars in taxes, that's a good investment. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. get that type of return I'd anywhere else. It's worth looking into it. Anybody that's ever been stung by a big estate tax bill knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and it's also surprising how the assets just creep up all of a sudden. Wow, I didn't realize I had you know three million dollar estates. I see that all the time when I'm working with people. Yeah, and it's like I didn't think I had that much money. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of it's illiquid, right? You mm-hmm. own a property that's worth one point two million dollars now. You think how could that happen? Like starter homes are four hundred grand now. Right, right. I mean, it's crazy. So anyway, that's the story. And I would really encourage you guys to Is that the give story and you're sticking to it? I am. How okay. do they reach us, Matt? Uh, give us a phone call at 541-375-0898. Cool. Now, for the last part of the show, our fun of the day, this one we didn't get to last week, financial terms. Remember, these are terms that sound 
Well, first the question is, is it financial or not? And then it's, if it sounds financial but it isn't, we're going to give it a definition. So first, Matt, mm-hmm. Terra funding. That doesn't yes sound no? real, but is it? It doesn't sound real? No, I'm going financial. It is financial, ah, not ding, a real ding, term. Ding, I win. But if it was going to be a term, what would you call it? What was it again? Terra funding. Terra funding. I imagine that's when like an oil company is like, hey, this ground is worth this much. Just fund it. And then you don't even know if there's oil there. <laughs> okay. So I like it. So uh, you're one more time. You, your, your definition is an oil field where they want you to invest and you don't really know if there's oil there, but they're telling you fund it. Just gotcha. throw the money at it. And and I my definition, I would say Terra funding is before you have a formal real estate investment, mm-hmm. you're trying to convince a bunch of people to pool their money together to oh, make a real estate yeah. investment. Yep. So that's what I think. It's the pre-work of like, oh, we got to convince everybody. We've seen that this. before, right? <laughs> we have. Well, look, we are out of time. So there you have it, your financial term of the week. Um, once again, Matt, how do they reach us if they'd like to talk? You can even email us, info at littlejohnfs, is in financialservices.com. All right, and don't forget the phone number, 541-375-0898, website at littlejohnfs.com. Until next time, this has been Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.